Appreciate it. I really like the book. I don't know if you saw the the uh, reviews I put on. Unfortunately, not yet. It, you know, the reviews come up on Amazon. Amazon, the, the, there's absolutely, they're the complete czar of reviews. You'd think like it'd be like Yelp, you post a review and it just goes up, but that's not how it works. There's some sort of reason why they don't post reviews right away and some they do, some they don't. It's it's like a shady system that I'm sure is um, very on board. What about uh, Goodreads? Do you, do you see it there? Oh, I'll check that. I've never looked at Goodreads. Yeah. But I have, my wife made an author page, so I should check that out. Yeah, yes. let me check that out. Um, I, I've never looked at my Goodreads yet. Yeah, I don't know how many, how many uh, deals you have, but I know it's quite a bit, I think. As I go to it. Oh, really? I've never even see. looked at it. That's great. Let me see. Hold on. Goodreads now. Goodreads is like is like the real like super intense readers do that re review those right. Um, I mean it's it's basically it's it's a good book if you like it's a good place if you want to look for like if you want to read about a book that you already read or that you want to read and you want to see how other people view it oh well I, okay um so i'm trying to find because my biggest my biggest mistake is sometimes i never ever ever post uh, reviews. nicholas gave it a two uh, um, but otherwise pretty good one snark and then okay um yeah. one Nicole, that's my wife. All right, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I put I put I put a long one. I like it. Okay. So all right, you ready? I'm gonna bring us in. Uh James, do you yes. have where's your face? You don't want to see my pretty little face. All right. Not up there. Oh, no. no, it's fine. It's fine. So, so James, James and I met at um, at a Bengals game. We're season ticket holders. I live in really, Houston. yeah. He, I live in Houston, and he lives in Cincinnati. And we've yeah. been friends for about ten years now. And you just like met we, at the game. We, yeah, we sat next yes. to each other. And then you like, and then on, and, and like you, how are you able to like further that relationship like online? Uh, no, at the games and uh, it was what was it? It was Dallas first. Yeah, Dallas. We would travel. Yeah, we, we traveled the same. Oh, uh, okay, right. Okay, yeah. Just yeah. so, I love Cincinnati. Yeah, it's a great town. Yeah, my fa family there. My aunt and uncle live there, and uh, my cousins. And um, I was there. I go there sometimes. They always stay in Blue Ash. They're near Reading. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not. It's got that. It's like for a big city, it's got a small town. Yeah, kind of like Houston. Is that what Houston's like? Yeah, it, I mean uh, Houston is so small that yeah. I mean Houston is so big, but it's so the the middle so is compact, but everything right. around it is still Houston, so it feels like it's a, a uh, smaller town than it is. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean. You don't have the rush hour traffic like you do in Los Angeles, so that's good. Yo, so, but, all right. 
there you go. So yeah, so so we jokingly we jokingly say that he um he looks like Pac Man Jones because he got mistaken for it at a Cincinnati Reds game. Oh really? Yeah. So the lady took like all these pictures of him because he was like, "No, I'm not Pac Man Jones," and she's like. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. You don't have to do that. You don't have to tell me you're not. I won't. I won't let anybody else know that you are. So we started taking pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and she was buying beers. Oh, we had a good old time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pac Man Jones. Uh, um, yeah. I mean. I have a good cold take about Pac-Man Jones with um, right after Pac-Man Jones got recently got in trouble. I mean, like a couple of years ago, but he hadn't been in trouble for a long time before that. But uh, there was a tweet from uh, Butch Jones. It's I brought Pac-Man Jones in here to talk about, to talk about um, how to handle yourself with class and accountability, like to the team, talk to the team. And uh, like not long after he got, in trouble so i posted that book jones uh tweet but it just seemed like a it, you know like pac-man jones i guess he was trying to talk about like if you get in trouble you can still come out on top you know like yeah 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 he's <laughs> but, uh, he's actually he's actually he's, done a lot of good yeah no i know he just he just uh, like he just made bad cho- he made he make bad decisions sometimes yeah That's he, he would go out to like a you know, party too hard whatever yeah and in Dallas, uh, I have a buddy of mine that that works with the Cowboys, and he um, he told me they used to have to hire security to walk around with them to make yeah. sure that he doesn't he doesn't get in trouble. Yeah, I know. I mean, like it's unfortunate. Like you should be able to, like you know, like it's unfortunate it comes to that because the players should understand, right? Yeah. Chance. What's that? Oh, your Super Bowl ring? <laughs> yeah, it's a glare right now. You got a Super Bowl runner-up ring? Yeah, uh, they're, they're handing them. They're handing them out to all the Bengals season tickets. Uh. They're they're fake, but it don't matter. Hey, it's still got a ring. Little weight to them. Yeah, it's got a little weight to them. Bet y'all won't hang this from the mirror of the car. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm gonna bring us in. Um, yeah. Welcome to a new era for Goat Zoom Room. Uh, I'm Andy Villanueva. Alongside is James Moore. And uh, Caitlin Free is also still here, but she is not on today. But uh, the Goat Zoom Room is taking a different turn as of this week, as we are now going full sports dedicated as uh, one of our other uh, podcast networks, the X Factor Racing, the all-female crew, or as uh, Uncle Bill calls it, the feminist crew, uh, has their own. But today, I decided that to start this new era, I would bring on author, tweeter, and genuinely awesome guy, Fred Siegel, to make some time to discuss his new book called Freezing Cold Takes. NFL football media's most inaccurate predictions and the fascinating stories behind them. I found this book quite entertaining. I was laughing a lot of times because some of the writers um, I know and, and I was like, yeah, I, 
I could see them saying that. But uh, Fred, I, I wrote for a while um, in high school. And as I put in the review, my biggest freezing cold take, and my friends will tell you, is saying that George Johnson of West Covina High School would never lead his team to a high school championship, <laughs> CIF. And he ended up winning two of them. Now, like as a high school guy, right? Um, do, do you do you have to like when you're writing about high school sports? Do you kind of have to tread walk, like tread tread the toe the line there, making predictions like that about kids? Like, like this guy will never lead this team to it. Or are you talking about the coach? Was that a coach? No, that was me. Um, I had written so. No, no, no. What was the? Were you talking about a player or a coach? Yeah, I was talking about a player. Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of because it's like. I feel like like you're going to get like un, people aren't going to be sympathetic towards that like or just like because you're talking about like a 16 year old kid. Yeah, they like, were. as opposed to like talking about how Patrick Mahomes will never win. Like he's making 50 million a year, he can handle it, you know. Yeah, um, it, it it didn't go off well. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, I'd come from a it, I came from I came from working with the LA Avengers Arena Football League team to this little rinky dink. Uh, Southern California ta- Southern California website that was trying to build, uh, you know, their brand. And we actually did a really great job of starting a lot of new trends for Southern California high school sports that wasn't anywhere else. And so one night I said, you know what, this kid is never going to lead this team. I, I watched him play. He, he, he just makes too many mistakes. People were on me, and the minute he won the first championship, he came up to me and said, "There you go." <laughs> and I was like, "I'm." And I brought it. We brought him into the studio. We discussed it with him. Um, he actually said, "He actually was like, you know, when I two years ago, I probably wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have let him, but you know, you didn't give me a chance to go further, right? right? But it's always that. What have you done for me lately? Kind of deal, and." <laughs> Right, and that's right. what happened. Well, we, but that's another thing. Media, like we're talking absolutes, like as opposed to because you in absolutes is what sells, but like in theory, the appropriate way to handle it in terms of if if there was nothing, if there was, was no, um, in your back of your mind, nothing about like trying to run a business or selling or getting people to watch, it'd be like, I don't think right now he's has the experience or the leadership skills to, to do it that um, he's got to improve on those things. And if he does and not make mistakes, if he can improve on that, he may have a chance, but yeah, (laughs) but you can't speak that diplomatically if you're writing, especially if you're writing something you want people to start seeing. Yeah. And it's exact. And I think that's one of the things with a lot of the football media guys, right? I mean, that's why, that's why you're able to take all these takes and find excuses or not excuses but great backstories to it right like the whole tony mandarich deal was always that that was like the worst take in football history yeah and the tony mandarich thing and i I have that in my book with tony mandarich he's you know he was the dominant in college football and um and he was taking steroids and um everyone thought he was taking steroids when he was in michigan state and dominating but he was picked anyway and Eventually, 10 years later, he came out and admitted it, that he was on steroids the whole time until he got to the NFL because they were testing harder and he couldn't cheat the test. Um, NCAA, funny at the time, the NCAA was testing was so weak. 
that in, until the bowl games, he didn't even have to cheat the tests because he knew when they were going to be. So he didn't even have to cheat. He just stopped using for three weeks before the tests because he knew exactly when they were. Uh, so they came out clean. But uh, um, I think that he, I think that was just an example of uh, people not caring that he was doing it. Um, and I think that that's what prevalent in terms of someone's making you care about anything that they're doing. So let me ask you a question. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, keep going, keep going. You go ahead yeah. and finish. Yeah, it's just like, um, okay. No, go ahead. Okay, so like, go ahead. The, 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 the Packers meet, the Packers, at the end, everyone was like, how could the Packers fall? How could the manager, Tom Bratz, um, fall for, he can't believe he fell for this, uh, this swindle by Mandarich that he wasn't using or whatever. And then at the end, my, my conclusion was based on everything that they showed that Bratz knew it was a strong possibility, but just didn't care. And same with everybody. Like he didn't fall for anything. He just thought that he would be just as good. Um, and the, back then it was like the steroids back then he was taking was like, it wasn't like now where like they have like the clean and clear and like these specialized things that some, most of the time pass the test. I mean, don't aren't detected by the test until they are. And then it's like hernia medication or whatever. Uh, <laughs> most recently I said, uh, well, Tatis, but, yeah. um, but, but, uh, then he was like, if you listen to what he was taking, he said, I'm taking Sterizol, Anzalol, all the stuff you just like that you see on the eighties TV shows with people just sticking needles in their arms. <laughs> I always thought the program was like the perfect movie. Yeah. Yeah. Latimer. The story, so. <laughs> but so. What 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 made you want to write this book? Well, I've been running this freezing cold takes Twitter feed since like 2015. The feed just is essentially just posts quotes and tweets of, um, like to put it simply, uh, things that sports media said that or tweeted that just didn't age well. And once it turns out that it's wrong, I post it. Well, but media, I mean, that's well, social media is only like. 280 characters like Twitter or like in an Instagram, you could put a screenshot and that's it. Well, I want to do something in longer form. So I, um, I posted, I, I, I wanted to tell the stories behind what was going on. I, mean, I, I posted this Belichick Patriots uh, will regret hiring Belichick newspaper right. article headline all the time on my feed. But um, I wanted to explore like who thought it and how many people thought it, it turned out everybody did. Uh, it was like a universal that it wasn't just a bad, bad hire. It was a terrible hire. And, um, and to show why people would have thought that, which wasn't unreasonable looking at it from a bird's eye view or uh, from, you know, like, cause he, he'd only coached as a head coach once before he was, uh, yeah, that was that losing record in Cleveland. He had one yeah. season, made the playoffs once, and then he quit the Jets after one day. Their head coach. So, uh, if you looked at it from like just from afar, you'd see. Well, why would anyone want to hire this guy anyway? Why did the Patriots? Patriot had to give up a first round draft pick in order to for the Jets to release him from his contract. Yeah, he um, his dad wrote a book, 
an X's and O's book on how to scout. And Belichick basically learned off right. of his dad's scouting book on how to be a good scout and how to how to know what to look for in players. And um, I mean, I think it's funny that I, I would read all these all these stories in your book, and I was like, "Yeah, I remember that take. Yeah, I remember that take." And there's a guy, and there's a guy in horse racing media because I do a lot of horse racing stuff um, that does the same thing you do. But horse racing media has a tendency to be soft. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They're wimps. Like, <laughs> like the moment the moment they get caught with with their hands in the cookie jar about a comment or something, they automatically automatically block the guy because they're like oh well they can't and it's like you know what if you're gonna if you're gonna say something say it and don't be afraid if you're wrong because nine out of ten times you're gonna be wrong about something i mean that's part of twitter and you're of... criticizing people yeah that's your job i mean these same writers are talking about this player this 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 rider or this um i guess trainer or all the things that yeah. that could possibly like about winning big races and all that, you know, they're doing that. Um, so why not? And why not be, you can have to take it too. And you're, yeah. and it's not always fair the way players get criticized. It's not, I mean, it's uh, players get criticized. Coaches get criticized. Like, like I've always wondered why automatically the coach got out coached. Yeah. Because he lost or something like, <laughs> like, yeah, like, <laughs> like it, it, it's it's such a it's such a it's such a simple term people are using it, but it's really not simple the concept. But I think the coach just like teams are criticized. Journalists are criticizing coaches all the time, and I'm sure so much of the time it's not their specific fault, but they're the overseer of everything. It's not always fair. So if the journalist doesn't think it's fair that they're getting criticized for a bad take, then, you know, just move on. Cause that's how it is. And especially I, I was, in being in media or being in just professional sports, the editors, there's so many things that just aren't fair. It happened. Um, you know, the bad calls. My favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite stories in this book, and it's because I've heard about it so often because I'm a big Dan Levitard fan is the oh, great yeah. Cody story right because you could see great cody just like completely like eating up everything he did as far as that entire take like he has owned it he has yeah. lived it <laughs> but my favorite story my favorite part and i didn't know this until i read your book was that when after he said it he did a remote with oh, yeah. a local news crew and because he knew he was going to get completely <laughs> slammed, they pixelated his face and they changed his they changed his voice, <laughs> and I died. Oh my god! You know, I grew up in Miami. I remember the reason why this was immediately in the book. I don't know how many people outside of Miami remember it, but people in Miami do, and I did. I was a season ticket holder of the Dolphins, and I remember when it happened I had the Herald come to my house and when he he said Dan Marino got hurt Dan Marino never got hurt for 10 years 
I mean, he was consistently played. Then he tore his Achilles in Cleveland. Scott Mitchell came in. He threw a bunch of touchdowns and then um, and 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 won three games. Greg Cuddy wrote an article, trade Dan Marino, keep Scott Mitchell. And he got completely, everyone got really upset. Ironically, nowadays, that stuff would happen 10 times over, no matter who it was. There would be articles like that and first take with, with like uh, Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless would all be saying it on their next show and it, no one would bat an eye. But then it was the biggest deal. So when he went out, I didn't, the show, I've tried, there are these archives in Miami and I live in West Palm Beach now, but I spent so long trying to go through the archives, which are now in a public library in Miami because the Channel 10 sold them to get that show. I couldn't find it. But uh, luckily two people told me about the pixelation. Um, Levitard was one of them. So I was able to write about it. But I tried to find that show so many times. But uh, yeah, he was he was booed too. It was at the Don Chula Steakhouse where the show was. And it was a live show with all the fans and cheer. He was in front of the Herald building and they sent they sent it out to him. Let's go to Greg Cody. <laughs> Grace was pixelated. Yeah. And I, mean, I spent I think, so long trying to find it. I couldn't find it. I think, I think the one thing about that whole thing with the Scott Mitchell deal is, you know, if you if you look at it based on his career, he actually didn't have a bad career, especially with the Lions, because the Lions were so underachieving. But because Cody made him into this big deal, yeah, ends up being average. Well, another thing about Scott Mitchell, where he gets he gets criticized a lot, he wasn't as bad as he was criticized for. But also, he was one of the first big quarterback free agents. Free agency was brand new, and he signed for back, what was back then a lot of money. Now it's small potatoes, like like very minuscule amount. But back then, so. They, he was like he was the poster boy for unproven backup quarterback to sign big contract. We've had so many since, like Kevin Cobb and Matt Flynn and uh, Andrew Castle, and, a, Matt Castle, Matt Castle, all those guys, all those guys. AJ McCarron. And, uh, what's up? Yeah, hey, Cincinnati former AJ. AJ McCarron, right, yeah. right. Yeah, all those guys. But P- Mitchell was like the first of that guy. And uh, so when he didn't turn out to be great, he had one really great season in the regular season, 1995. He was really good. But in the playoffs, he threw about 10 interceptions against the Eagles in the, in the wild card game. So that didn't uh, – and that was it. And he flamed out the lines after like – but he wasn't as bad as people may have to think. But this makes it – that makes it worse for – Cody because he didn't turn out to be that great Mitchell yeah if, if Mitchell turned out to be good we wouldn't talk about the article because I would be like well it wouldn't have been that bad having him you know and and so the, what is oh, go ahead Andy no go ahead James what is one of your best Bengals oh like the, my favorite one to post all the time Colin Cowher easy with uh, where he said Dak in 2014 he was watching a game between Mississippi State and Alabama and Dak Prescott was a junior and he said, um, and and he was getting, he was not playing well. Bama's defense really had his number. And he, Cal Calhoun wrote, Dak will back up in the NFL. Period. At tight end. Period. <laughs> so, I he remember- said he could be backup tight end. He wouldn't he wouldn't even be close to being worthy of being a quarterback. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> what um you know you you don't you also do a lot of other takes right like you do nba you do oh you do yeah baseball right yeah nba um, was great this year with the warriors uh what you know they were everyone thought they were dynasty was over or they weren't gonna ever win another title with yeah this they yeah you can't you can't um yeah you can't call out that now now i'll say i will say it now and i say it all the time when i tweet it out but there is definitely no way that that the lakers will ever win another championship as long as lebron's there i'm sorry well, that, yeah it's a great topic lebron i mean just and lebron can't be the GM and the player <laughs> he LeBron can't is, the players there's no he's the most polarizing guy there is in sports it, you, 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 it just there's so many opinions on him so many things he does and very it's, talented it's but so strong he can't, he can't be player coaching gm i know he, he went out and handpicked his own team and they suck i know yes i mean they can't play well together yes too much power right right now, i mean you handpick your own fucking team that's like <laughs> if we gonna go back to to the yankees when they had that when they paid for the a world series championship team and didn't make it yeah and you know what <laughs> I think LeBron's going to have the same problem when he's, you know, eventually, you know, once he retires, he's going to own a team. And he's probably going to have these same issues with control. What? I don't know. I don't know what team he's going to own, but it won't be the Lakers. No, but he'll own a team. Probably what, what? Cleveland in a bet, maybe. Or uh, 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 just he'll, he'll get a team and then he'll have a lot of control. But like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, I mean, that guy doing it for years, but like, he seems like he has the work ethic he had as a player is like complete opposite as an owner. It's, I think, I think it just comes down to it. <laughs> I think with Jordan, I think it just comes down with um, just the fact that it's a status deal. I think he, to be honest with you, I think he's doing a far better job being a NASCAR owner than he is. Yeah. Well, I mean, he a, should be like real people to do all the day-to-day work all the time. Jordan, I mean, Jordan, it's, it's really hard to work. How hard can you work when you're getting a hundred million dollars a year plus to really do nothing besides just like do a couple of commercials or ads for your shoes. It's like the greatest deal ever. Um, why would you want to work hard being an owner? Uh, <laughs> with, with, with this book, obviously it's been really popular. Um, do you see yourself making another one down the line? I would love to. I just need, uh, you know, hopefully there's, it would uh, have enough, it would do well enough to get um, where someone would want me to write something from another sport, or I could write a volume two on this book, because I, I left a lot of things out because I had a word requirement. I couldn't make it like a specific, over a specific you, matter where they didn't want it to be too long. You didn't want to do like, um, you didn't want to do like Stephen King's It, where it was like five a thousand pages in hardback when it first yeah. came out. <laughs> yeah, I would, have been, I would have been good with that. Like, the, I know I'm they didn't you. want that. Um, they didn't want that. Uh, I always trust book before, so I trusted that what they say. You know, I feel like it would scare people off. Uh, so you know, Stephen King could do that once he was Stephen King. Um, I just, I just find this whole thing fascinating because the backstories are so much more. Yeah, you, know, you look at. I, yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them I didn't do. Um, and I had one in the 2017 Eagles I was writing about 
I had to cut that. That was a good one. There's great stuff on the Patriots after 2015, which I left out because I already had so much Patriots stuff in there. So I, I really, the one yeah. that I really wish you would have done, and I don't, and I know it's not in here, but was the take that a couple people did about Tom Brady being washed up after. Yeah. X amount of yeah, years, that was right? a, yeah. That was after 2015. No, so like, I did up 2005 from I did the, the Belichick hire, and then from 2001 to 2005 on the Patriots, I wrote like five to ten thousand words on 2005 to 2019, and I didn't put it in the book because because I, it was a lot, and I just felt that was it was I I already had so much on the Patriots, and um, I wanted to spread it around, and just it was just I could I could probably have wrote a whole book on the Patriots because when you have like a dynasty and it never, and you keep winning, then there was a game, there was a game in 2014 when the Patriots lost to the chiefs on Monday night football to go like one and two Tom Brady played awful. And um, at the end of the game, it was like Tom Brady's done. I mean, he hadn't won a Super Bowl in 10 years. Yeah. So, there was like, that was when Trent Dilfer said, it's a weak team, New England Patriots. Let's face it, they're not good anymore. He said it right on the field. And that was, the next day with the press conference where Bill Belichick said, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, and I remember that game because they torched yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, the next day. Like, I think I think Levitard also had said it too, right? And yeah. He said it afterwards too. And I th the, running the running joke on the Levitard show is, Stu Gotts is always saying, don't say it, Dan. Don't say it. <laughs> I care about you. Don't say it. Don't say that Tom Brady's through. But <laughs> at, at some point, the dude's got to be through, right? I mean, yeah. Look, Tom, Tom Brady's not going to go to – he was never going to go to play for a team, I think, that didn't have the capacity to win with the roster anymore. I don't necessarily think that he's – I think he's like – he needs to be in a position where he can run his offense right away. Uh, but um, I, look, it all depends on whether he he's in good health, but he doesn't. So he gets the ball out. Then you got to throw a short. You talking about Tom Brady? You he can go to any team. Hell, the receiver's going to want to start practice early. I'm like, what no, I know. Yeah, that's one of the things he had. He had. He has the capacity yeah. to bring all these good guys to the team. Yeah, he'd be like, hey, like, we, we come to your house. We're going to come in yeah. the backyard right now. We're going to run Julio Jones. Like, Julio Jones got socks if there was no Tom Brady for this year. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and also, like, the players are real serious for the time he's there because they, they don't want to screw up. Um, I mean, the only guy who could – but even, in, even Antonio Brown, for at least a, a season and a half, he, he held him in check for a season and a half. And then he Boy, fell off he the <laughs> He kept him really in check. Did you? Yeah, I mean, especially the Super Bowl year. But it's only, you can only keep that for so long. But um, I, yeah. I honestly, I, I, I don't know. I, sometimes I don't check the Twitter feed all the time. But I think the, the one that, and I, I'm real guilty of sometimes just going off of not looking at Twitter for a day because, it just gets crazy. Yeah. Uh, but Antonio Brown came out with a quote saying that it's not that he wishes that 
you know, it's not going to miss the fact that he's like rah rah in, in the center of the end zone after he quits on his team or anything like that. Oh, I mean, yeah, I saw that. It's the yeah. fact that he's good. You know something that's funny? That, oh, yeah, he, he'll miss like being there or not being able to see himself play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One <laughs> of something that's really funny about that quote, it's a parody. You know how people talk about people who are a parody of themselves? Yeah. That quote was a fake quote. Someone wrote it pretending to be Antonio Brown, posting it. Then Antonio Brown just posted it and didn't say anything. <laughs> People just think he said it. And now he now he's owning the quote. Because it's like a it's like a meta parody of itself. You know, like he liked it so much he posted it, didn't say anything, and it's just as if, you know, he's he's just like, I'll own it. Now it's my <laughs> it's it's kind of it, so the one thing the one thing i'll do is that if i say like i have fr like most of my friends that i know i've either met through twitter or through the racetrack or through football and we'll have we'll have group chats where we'll go at it and then i'll go on twitter and i'll be like i would really like to apologize i am extremely sorry that um, I said such and such and, and threw somebody under the bus for that. And, um, and the funny thing was, is that I will end the tweet. I will always end the tweet with the, Mar with the Tom Brenneman quote. Oh yeah. With, <laughs> with the whole, with, uh, so the tweet is always like, I, I think I'm, I, it's like, you know, I, I, I you know, Castellanos. I, yeah. So that's always the way I end it. Right. I made a comment earlier tonight that I guess went over the air that I'm deeply ashamed. Of, but instead of saying over the air, I say over Twitter and that I'm deeply ashamed of. And I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith. And then that's when I put in as there's a drive in deep left field by Castellanos <laughs> and all of my friends. Now, anytime they they write something, that's their quote at the end of it with with that. Uh <laughs> So now I've had to go into the the archives of all the Twitter of all of the Castiano homers, and now it's the one where the guy's eulogizing the guy from Kansas City's dad, and then Castiano hits a home run against the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> so now I post that. <laughs> so it's just awesome. It's he hits it's, home runs at the most opportune times. Happy anniversary, by the way. Today is two year anniversary. I just saw that of the Castiano's home of the Tom Brenneman fiasco slash funny soundbite wow. <laughs> with the Cassianos this is the funny soundbite saying um because he, he, these broadcasters have been doing it for so long they're so and when they're like career is packed practically over they're still <laughs> commenting on a home run yeah it's it's awesome it's it's <laughs> You know, and then there's that there's a new guy that I guess MLB Network uh, unleashed this week. That's a minor minor league baseball announcer, and he has some of the strangest stuff that he says, and it's actually quite entertaining to listen to. Um, really? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I forgot the guy's name, but um, I'll, I'll give a plug to Awful Announcing here. Uh, they had a story on on the guy, and I listened to it, and I was I guess he did the um, the uh, the introductions to both teams, the Angels and the Mariners, and he just some of the stuff he said. He said something about um, he's so hot that it'll it'll 
it'll melt the Jonas Brothers masks off a team kind of deal. <laughs> and it's like, how, like, this is stuff that needs to be written down, right? Like, there's certain stuff. Like, I always Jonas say, Brothers. like, Houston always floods here, right? I mean, right. we get rain and it floods. And the other day I was telling somebody, I go, it rain. I go, the minute you sweat, you automatically close a f- flood warning because it's so bad here with the drainage that you can't, you can't do anything. Right. And so, I mean, it's great that you, that you have a media, you have people that are held accountable and I'm glad that you do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, it's like, I don't even insult anybody. I, I don't. I better watch I, what I tweet now. <laughs> I, I don't insult anybody. I just post their old tweets. I don't say anything like they're bad or you know anything about them. Now a lot of people under under it put, insult them, but I mean these are media people who are gonna if they say an opinion, they're gonna get people coming into their mentions and telling so, them how terrible they are, no matter what the opinion is. So before we let you go, I gotta ask one thing. Um, I'm a huge Joe Buck fan. Do you have any bad cold takes from him that you can um, remember? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. It, it would have had to been during a game. I mean, he he's not making very many takes. No, he isn't. No. Uh, sometimes you could catch them. Like uh, I caught. There's a Vern Lundquist quote in there. Virtual Walker's first game in the Vikings after the Cowboys traded him to the Vikings for like 10 million draft picks. And uh, Herschel Walker ran for 150 yards and two touchdowns. And they were showing in the stands, in the stands with this guy named Chuck Foreman. And he was the running back for the Vikings uh, prior to like a a while before that. And he was the best running back in Vikings history at the time and the leading rusher in Vikings history. And he was in the crowd watching the game with his family. And Vern Lundquist goes, there's a, there's Chuck Foreman. Uh, until today, the best running back in Vikings history. <laughs> and then, like, Herschel was terrible for the Vikings. Uh, but, but that one first game, everyone was real excited. And I guess the best running back in Vikings history is Adrian Peterson, possibly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right now. Maybe uh, Robert Smith. Yeah, Robert Smith had such a short career, though. It's kind of and he's always hurt, but he was great on that 98 team. The 98 team that just should have been the, they were the best team that year. They lost that game to Atlanta. Um, and Randall Cunningham, Randy Moss was catching everything. And um, what's his name? Robert Smith, Leroy Horde. Uh, just like it's a great team. What so, um, as we close out, where, where can people pick up the book? Um, I'm going to guess everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere where books are sold. Amazon.com. Uh, um, uh, borders.com. Any place that books are sold, just type in freezing. We'll take NFL. Um, they've been, I've seen them in bookstores. I don't know how many bookstores carry them, but I'm sure it'll be, if you go to your Barnes and Noble, they'll probably have it too. Um, so I don't know how that works anymore. I don't know how many people go to bookstores. Uh but uh, uh, you know the the one the, the only one I used to go to was in Newport, uh, Kentucky. It was a Barnes and Noble at the Newport by the aquarium. Oh and, yeah, uh, it's no longer there. The other day it I was waiting. Yeah. The other day I was waiting for somebody during Get a Fest who was it's an hour right late, here. and 
I couldn't. I wasn't no hour late. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say, um, number one, you can follow Fred Siegel at Old Takes Exposed. Uh, You can follow his Twitter feed. I think he's got a, he does have an Instagram feed, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And I don't do Instagram a lot. So, um, but I do do Twitter quite a bit, way too much to where my wife takes my phone away during football games, uh, especially yeah, with the Bengals. Twitter and Facebook, and yeah, I occasionally had to take his phone too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's <laughs> my Instagram is big. My Instagram used to be big. We used to get so many followers, and then one day it just stopped. Like I think they just decided to like only push followers towards like. Um, actor, uh, musician, and, um, you know, like beautiful women in bikinis. And cats. Oh, don't worry about it. And dogs. But at one point, it was getting a lot of followers. But it still has a lot, so good. So you can get him there. Instagram. Definitely follow him on Twitter. I have actually followed. He was one of my first follows when I got onto Twitter um, nine years ago. Uh, it's a great follow just because sometimes you'll look at back something afterwards and be like, oh, man, I totally forgot about that. I'm glad he brought it up today. Um, thank you for coming on. Greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we'll bring you on a future sport and talk. Anytime. When we, uh, Anytime. Do something else. 